Hey, welcome to our class called Hearing God's Voice through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session seven called Discerning God's Voice. Now you'll remember that we've been going through my book called Hearing God, and each session corresponds with the same chapter. So session seven, chapter seven. If you don't have a copy of my book, you can go to my website, bendixon.org, or you can go to Amazon, of course, pick it up there. If you want a free ebook, email our office, and we'd be glad to send that to you for free. At this point, we've talked about so many things from hearing God through relationship. We've talked about how the, the voice of Scripture and the voice of the Holy Spirit, how they work together and they never, they don't conflict each other. We also talked about the many different ways that God communicates because seldom is God's voice an actual voice. And that was so important. And then last week, we talked about the hindrances that we sometimes have in hearing the voice of God. And this part of the conversation is so vital because we're talking about how do we discern in the midst of all of the other voices, all of the noise that's going on. We're living in a culture and a generation of, that's full of noise, political opinion, ideology, philosophy, and it's so vital that we learn how it is to discern God's voice in the midst of all of these other voices. And I want to do something by, by as we begin this session, and that is to define what I mean by voice. And here's the definition that I use. It's an expressed will, desire, or opinion of something or someone seeking a response from you. We're not just talking about another human being. We're not just talking about God's voice or a demon's voice. We're talking about those and more. That, for example, like just the cultural voice of what's right or what's wrong or the political voice of what it is that we should believe. The, there's ideology. There's also a lot of philosophy today. The noise, the entertainment that's just blaring at you, wanting you to respond, wanting you to say something, wanting you to do something or believe it. And we've got to learn to locate God's voice in the midst of all of that and follow and pursue His voice. The verse that we've been using over and over again is John chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. Some translations say, listen to my voice. And then he said, I know them and they follow me. Think about that for a moment. We can hear his voice if we're his people, but we need to listen. Are we listening to his voice in the midst of all of the noise? You can't discern his voice if you're not listening for his voice, number one. But number two, he says, I know them. I'm intimately acquainted with them. We are friends. We have exchange. He's not saying I, I, they know about me and I know about them. There's, there's friendship, there's relationship, there's exchange. You have to have closer and closer relationship to discern his voice. Really, that's true for any relationship. And then he says, they follow me. Do we follow when we know that it's God speaking to us? I'll tell you this, we grow numb to the voice of the Lord if we hear him and we harden our heart, if we don't heed what the Lord is saying to us. And these things are so important for us to again be reminded of as we're thinking about what it means to discern his voice amidst of all the other voices. I want to do something interesting and that is use Romans chapter 12 in the beginning of this conversation. Now usually I hadn't in the past seen Romans chapter 12 as a scripture that I would use for for really explaining and giving instruction on discerning God's voice. But now I come to see that there's so much in there and I'm just simply going to read this to you and then we'll break it down from there. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. And here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Now we know that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter to the Roman church. He had never been, at least we understand that from Romans chapter 1, he had never been with them before. And really scholars don't know why or how the Roman church was exactly started. But what's important for us is that we see the Apostle Paul was laying a strong and thorough foundation theologically for, for first Gentiles, but also for Jews as well. And he wanted them to know the hope to which they were called. He wanted them to understand Jesus in the midst of the law. He wanted them to be able to understand their times and their culture, but also on, it, it, as a result of that, he wanted them to have a thorough and complete foundation. It was so vital. But something he says that I think is in keeping with our conversation of discerning God's voice, he talks about understanding you know, that it, it's upon us to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God and not to be conformed to the world. But he says, you need to do these three things. And if you do these three things, you do them so that you might prove what the will of God is. The will of God, the word of God, the ways of God. This is what God's speaking to us, the communication of God, what God wants, his voice there's three things that I want you to do so that you might prove what the will of God is. Do these things. And those three things go like this. The first one is we need to present our bodies. He says to them, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. The language of sacrifice was familiar in Judaism, but it was also familiar in Gentile, or paganism actually, among the Gentiles. So both camps would understand this. Jews would actually make sacrifices, at least yearly. They would go to the temple and they would bring a lamb or they would bring two doves to atone for the sins of them and their family. This was sacrifice. They understood this. So when Paul says to them that you need to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, they, they understood what this, what this metaphor was all about. It was to give yourself completely and wholly unto God. And the Gentiles, or at least pagans among the Gentiles, would also understand sacrifice because they would make sacrifices to their gods. And so Paul uses the language of sacrifice to basically say you need to present your entire body, your whole self to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is worship unto the Lord to present yourself, your ears, your mouth, your feet, your hands, all that you are, your soul. You need to present yourself unto God. Without a full presentation, there will always be a negotiation with the voice of God. Think about that for a moment. If you hold back, as Paul's saying, don't hold back, give your entire self. If you hold back from God, how can you really hear his voice? You'll only get, you're only going to hear what you want to hear. I've seen this many times before where a couple will come into my office or maybe just a young man will come into my office and he'll, he'll tell me that he's, he's really interested in some girl and he's a Christian and she's not and he'll say, you know, I just really, I really don't feel like God's speaking to me about this at all. And I'll say, well, what do you think the word says? And he'll say, well, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe, maybe God wants me to lead her to him. And, and I said, well, your, your motives are kind of mixed there. I mean, this happens pretty regularly. And so I tell him, like, you need to follow God and you need to be equally yoked. You, if you can't share Jesus with somebody, you shouldn't be pursuing them in a serious relationship or that might lead to marriage because then you're going to have children and the children are going to be conflicted and so on and so forth. It's just not a match. Jesus is our life. He's not just in our life. And so if you can't share that with your spouse, you've got to be extremely cautious 
to getting emotionally involved with anybody. Obviously, Scripture would call us to be involved with somebody that's like-minded when it comes to the heart of Christ and the person of Christ. And so a person will not be fully surrendered to the Lord. And so they'll, oh, well, I, I don't know if that's what God's saying to me. And so see what happens is we start to negotiate. When we don't give our full mind, heart, body, affections, emotions over to the Lord, and we let them go astray, and, and, and we stop listening to the Word. And that's what happens to us. So you can't discern God's voice unless you put yourself fully into this. You will negotiate. You will negotiate the voice of God without a full surrender. We've got to talk about that. Are you fully yielded to the Lord? Are you fully surrendered to Him? You have to ask yourself that question because if you're not, today you have to fully yield, fully surrender to Him. It's so important. No matter what you think you know about him or what we think we know, we've got to give all of ourselves over to him. The call of holiness is vital to the Christian life. And we come into Christ pre-programmed. I mean, we've got all kinds of thoughts from our background and our upbringing and our culture and even denominations. Some of us grew up in churches that maybe didn't teach the right thing. And so we have this pre-programming and in order for God to renew our mind and reprogram us, we have to give all of ourselves to Him. And as a result of that, Paul says, do this so that you might prove what the will of God is. So in other words, you can't prove what the will of God is if you don't present your body, if you don't fully surrender. The second thing that he says to do in order to prove what the will of God is, is we must guard our hearts. This is the way that I'm saying it. He says, do not be conformed to this world. And by saying that, here's what he means. Don't allow yourselves to be shaped by, fashioned after, or copy the customs and behaviors of those who don't know what you know, hear what you hear, or have what you have. You cannot copy what everybody else thinks or does. You have to pattern yourself after the Lord Jesus Christ, His Word, His will, and His ways. And we will be constantly enticed to copy after the world, the cultural customs. My shirt, I don't know if you can see it, but it has a certain pattern. It has a pattern about it. It was created this way. The world out there, it has a pattern. In other words, if you get enticed to believing certain things, it, it has an inevitable outcome. You will end up doing the things that the world does when you start believing what the world believes. And he says, do not allow yourself, be not conformed to the pattern of this world. You need to guard your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, watch over your heart with diligence for from it will flow the streams of life. The voices that we allow in our life will affect the choices that we make in our life, and we need to guard our hearts. And there are many voices and many influences, and I want to mention some of those that we need to guard ourselves from. The first voice that we need to guard ourselves from is the voice of the enemy. The devil's voice is always in line with his character. Now, Satan or the devil is not going to come to you. He's not going to lie to you. But the demonic spirits that work in conjunction with him, certainly we will at times, in our mind, we will hear those voices at times. Maybe not all the time, maybe not a lot of the times, but we will have spiritual attacks from the enemy. And by enemy, I mean demonic spirits. When you look in Scripture, 
you see a lot of what spiritual warfare is about is deception. When the enemy came to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, his primary goal was to deceive them. If he could get them to believe what he believed, then they were on his team and they would take on the nature of the enemy, which is to rebel against the Lord. And that is exactly what happened. The enemy came and lied, lied to Adam and Eve. And when he lied to them, they did not discern that this was he was muddying the waters of what God had said. God spoke to them. They had clear instruction from the Lord. The enemy came and he started to lie and twist what God said, and they believed the enemy's voice, the stranger's voice, as Jesus refers to it in John chapter 10. And as a result of that, we plunge into what we call the great fall of humanity. Sin enters the world, and with it, death in consequence. And so obviously, even for us that are following Christ, we still can have temptation to hear the enemy's voice, the stranger's voice. This happens throughout scripture. In fact, one of the things that we need, to be, uh, we need to be very clear about is that the way in which the enemy will cause us to hear his voice, or the way in which we will hear his voice is through temptation. And that, that temptation will come to us in, in many different ways. I don't know what you're tempted by, but that's something that surely will happen. Temptation isn't always just of the flesh. Sometimes temptation comes from the enemy planting a thought. And the enemy does have the power to plant a thought. He doesn't know the future. He doesn't know what's in our mind. He doesn't have control to like reach in and put whatever he wants. But somehow spiritually, this the way that this network type thing works, which we fully don't understand, is that the enemy has the power at times to transmit a thought. And we know that because we see it in David's life. We see it in Judas's life. In John chapter 13, verse 2, it says that Judas was tempted to betray Jesus. It says that Satan entered Judas's heart. And if you look at other translations, what it's really talking about is that full temptation from Satan had come to Judas to where he had given himself over. And that's what we need to be mindful of, is those same things will happen to us. Satan didn't control him, but he tempted him, and Judas took the bait. And we cannot take the bait. It is vital that we resist by guarding our hearts. If the enemy can keep us from the truth, he can cripple our life in Christ. And this is actually what we call a stronghold. A stronghold is basically a stronghold that is a house made of thoughts, lies, and it's just built one upon another. And we've got to obliterate those lies. And we do that by the truth, discerning God's voice in the midst of these other voices. And when we hear this other voice, we say, that is not the voice of the Lord. I will not listen to you. We take authority over it and we follow whatever we know to be true from the Lord and from his word. The second voice that we're going to hear that we need to guard our hearts from is the voice of the flesh. You could also say the voice of sin. We are all tempted to sin, but we have the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 through 17 says this, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. What if we said, walk by the Spirit of God, walk by the Spirit's voice, Walk by the truth revealed through the Spirit. Walk by the Word of God. We're, we're talking about what God said. We're talking about walk by the truth of God's Word. Walk by the voice of the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets his desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. 
it reveals this conflict that we're constantly in and that it is by the Spirit that we can overcome this voice that comes against us, this voice that tries to influence us to do wrong, to cheat, to steal, to lie, to be jealous, to be prideful, to be hateful, to be divisive. These kinds of things that come against us, and it's all selfish, it's all self-centered, causing us to want to be the, the people that Jesus has delivered us from. And we've got to remember who we are. We're selfless, we're loving, we're kind, we're patient, we're honoring of others. We've got to let God renew our hearts and minds, discern when this is coming against us, and say no in the name of Jesus. The third voice is the voice of our past. What you were or did cannot stop what God has done in your life. And it's so important that we realize that there will be a temptation to look back. Things that you've done in your past, places that you've been, what you're ashamed of. And when the enemy reminds us of our past, we need to remind him of his future. Amen. We need to remind him of what Jesus did, not just let him remind us of what we've done. What Jesus has done is more powerful than what we've done in our sin. His righteousness, the Bible says, is imparted and imputed into those who believe upon the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we are new creations in Christ. Old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. All things are new. If you're reminded of your past, what you need to lay hold of is that Jesus paid a price for your past and your future. He covers your past and he opens up your future. This is, this is such a good news message, really, when you think about it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 through 18 says that the new covenant brings total forgiveness and he remembers our sins and our transgressions no more. It means he doesn't recall them to our account. He does not make us pay for them because of the blood of Jesus when we believe upon him. So we need to guard ourselves against the voice of the past. Whatever you've done, you've done. Jesus paid for it. And you've got to stand on that truth. Number four, the voice of the world. We're talking about media, cultural opinions, political agendas, popular perspectives. And if you look through history, you see a lot of those things have changed over time. But they come to serve a certain purpose. And that really is the will of man. The enemy is usually behind this world system trying to orchestrate something that will bring out the selfish desires of unredeemed man, unregenerate hearts. And Jesus truly is the king and he's redeeming us, the subjects of his kingdom. And he is coming back someday. He wants us to live out his rule and his reign right here and right now, which means we're gonna have constant conflict with the kingdom of darkness. And that the world system is not going to cater to King Jesus very often. And so when you're watching shows and you're listening, to, you're listening to music and you're watching movies and you're reading magazines or online or whatever, you're listening to political figures, nobody in this life represents Jesus perfectly. The church is the closest representation of what Jesus is saying, or at least it should be in the world today. The light of the world, the hope of the world lies obviously in the Lord Jesus, but through the local church in today's world. And we need to be careful that we're not allowing these, this entertainment to detain us from entering what God really has for us. I find that this is like the cultural norm is that you follow Jesus and then you listen to whatever you want, you watch whatever you want, and that somehow doesn't influence or 
or affect you. And that's a lie. It absolutely does. Who you listen to affects you. What you listen to affects you. The voices that you allow in your life affect the choices that you make in your life. And if anybody says different, it's a lie. It is not true. And so you need to be careful. Is this beneficial for me? Is this something that's going to defile me? Is this something that's going to lead me towards temptation? Is this something that's going to help me in my relationship with God? Is it going to detract from my relationship with God? These are very important questions that, that will help us to guard our hearts. Let me tell you this. If we don't guard our hearts, if we don't stand guard at the gates of our soul, what we see, what we hear, at, at our very heart, our very soul, what causes us to will to do or make decisions in our life, Man, think about the loss that we might be having. Think about the things that, might, that we might be thinking or the things that we might be doing. And we don't even like some of that stuff. But because we can't buy into where it comes from, we will never get a hold of those sources and change the way that it is that we behave. And so we've got to realize the voice of the world is so powerful in our life. And what the, the last and final voice that we need to guard our hearts from is the voice of the crowd. The term crowd is mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible and it's referencing obviously a gathering of people. Often the crowd in the Bible is incited to say a certain thing and everybody joins in as one voice. And you see this even at the crucifixion and Jesus is up there and Pontius Pilate is, you know, has the power to condemn him to death or basically release him. And the people are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And certainly there are people in that crowd that have wanted Jesus to die for, for a long time. But there are a lot of people in that crowd that maybe don't even know who he is. But because the crowd is saying it, this bloodlust, this bloodthirst comes over the crowd. And although they don't know Jesus and they're not offended by him at all, because the crowd says it, so do they. And this happens in our life all the time. We'll be a part of a group of people and people want to go a certain way, but the Lord has called us to not go that way and we need to go against the current. But you know what? It can be a shameful thing to receive ridicule or criticism from those that are feeling bad that you aren't going to throw your lot in with them. And so they'll start bringing attention to that and making you feel bad for your decision to do differently than them. But here's what we've got to do. We've got to stand our ground. We've got to hold our ground. We've got to be true to the truth. This, the truth is the truth, whether we believe it or not, whether we live it or not, but we've got to learn to stand with the truth and not anybody else. If the truth is opposed to what our best friend, our spouse, or whoever is doing, then we've got to learn to stand for what is right. We can't just let the crowd persuade us because eventually it will dissuade us from where we need to be, what we need to do, what we need to be thinking. It's so important that we realize this God has called us to be influencers and not just to be influenced so easily by others because they might be leading us astray. Think about that. We obviously would never want to lead anybody else astray, but what if we're ignorant to it? What if others are ignorant to where they're leading us? We've got to be responsible in our relationship with God and discerning, am I just following whatever anybody else is saying or am I following the voice of the Lord? You're not going to discern the will of God in your life, the voice of the Lord in your life, if you're just going with the crowd. Sometimes you've got to go against the crowd. In our, in our pursuit of, of God's voice and our discerning of His voice, we have to be ruthless to guard our hearts. And the third thing that Paul tells us after we present our bodies, after we guard our hearts, he says, we must renew our minds. 
He continues this by saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Another way of saying this is become new by changing the way that you think because our thinking has power over our living. This is why the war is always over what we believe. The enemy contended with Adam and Eve from the beginning over what they believed, what they believed about God, what they believed about truth, what they believed about how to hold the truth when he started to distract them from it. In order for us to discern God's voice, we must allow him to change our thinking. This is how we begin to change. If you're doing things you don't want to do, it's because you're thinking things or you're allowing things to happen in your mind prior to them happening. And so how is it that you change? Well, the first is we've got to understand that our influences in our life, if you can picture this, our influences, the voices that are coming into our life, those things are affecting our thoughts or the way that we think. And our thoughts or what's in our mind eventually will equal our actions. Our repetitive actions equal our habits. Our habits really is our lifestyle. So our influences in our life affect our thoughts and our thinking. Our thoughts, our thinking affects our actions. And actions over a prolonged period of time will eventually equal our habits and our lifestyle. If you want to change your habits and your lifestyle, you've got to change your influences. You've got to look at absolutely everything. And the thing that you're not willing to give up often is the very idol which is shaping us that we need to rid ourselves from. If not entirely, for a season, for sure. It is so important. There's so many times where I've realized that the things that I don't like about what I'm doing in my life or what I'm even tempted by they all start with a thing that isn't necessarily so sinful, but it's not necessary in my life. And I realize it's opening a door. It's allowing me to consider or to ponder. And I, all the while, you'll justify it. You'll say, well, watching that TV show is not that bad. It's, it's not that bad. It's not that it's sinful. Well, it may not be that that show is entirely sinful, but it might open your mind to a little bit of lust because of what you're watching and you crack that thing open and you're putting it in front of you regularly and it starts you start to ponder on thoughts that you wouldn't have had if you would have just been doing something else and see that's how it all works it starts to peer into our soul and then it starts to take residence in our soul and you've got to put everything on the table if you want to change you've got to get a hold of your influences and this is vital because we want to discern the voice of God we want to discern the will of God in our life but we've got to know what's influencing us that's causing us to maybe not hear or maybe not discern well and this is so important if we want to change our life we must renew our mind and to renew our mind we have to change our influences and we've got to put the Word of God into our life. We've got to ask for the Spirit of God to lead our life. And we need the people of God to speak into our life. That is actually how you get discipled. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. If we're not being transformed, we will be conformed. And if you are conformed, you will be confused. And this is where a lot of people, a lot of Christians are. Our life with the Lord is an inch deep and we wonder why we can't hear His voice. I'm going to bring this to you very clearly today. The reason we are not discerning God's voice is because we're not pursuing His voice. We're not allowing His voice, His Word, His people, uh, His Spirit to be the primary influencer in our life. You can't have 90% of everyone else's voice in your life and 10% of God and be confused why you're not discerning His voice. This is just practical advice for you. And all of this 
free of charge at Immersion Discipleship School. I want to talk to you about one last thing before we close our session, and that is we must have a process for discernment. If, if you believe that God is speaking to you about something and you're not sure if it's God, the first, the first te part of the test that you need to put this under it's what I call the scripture test. This is absolutely number one. The first thing you need to do to discern whether or not this is God, maybe you feel like you're hearing God, but you're not sure if it's Him or not, it's the scripture test. Does it contradict scripture? Is it within the parameters of how the Bible reveals God and His character? You've got to ask these questions. If it passes that test, then you've got to move on to asking the right questions. Do you have peace about it? Is this in line with what God has been saying to you already? Why do you think that it's God? I like to ask people these questions. The third thing I think we need to do in this process of discernment is commit the word to prayer. Sometimes, whether it's directional or maybe it's a little bit higher level than just getting some margarine at the store, what margarine should I get? Obviously, that's, we're not trying to discern God's voice on simple stuff, but usually it's what we ought to do or how to navigate a relationship or really just a directional issue, those kinds of things we want to discern. We're not trying to discern whether or not God told me he loved me. We're trying to discern directional, instructional, correctional stuff. The third thing we want to do is commit the word to prayer. We've got to pray over these words. We've got to pray over what we feel like might be God. The fourth thing is we need to seek godly counsel. The Bible says in Proverbs that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. You've got to have people in your life that you can submit this to because God speaks through people. And so we're submitting really ourselves to the process of God using other people to help us affirm, confirm, or really deny whether or not it's actually Him. And the fifth thing, if we need it, is to ask God for confirmation. We shouldn't have to do this time and time and time again, but we want to be able to ask God for confirmation. I do this. I think you do this, but we can ask, Lord, would you show me? If you haven't done some of these other things, then you should do these things first before we're asking God just simply for confirmation. But discerning God's voice can only come and happen as we completely surrender. God gives us clarity, not confusion. He gives us direction and not distraction. And we need to be reminded of that. It's so important that we put this in front of us regularly. I want to read the questions from the book as we close this chapter and really have you consider them. If you're in a small group or however you're watching this, maybe it's just you. I just have a few questions that I want to ask you as we close our session. Number one is how have you been able to identify any counterfeit voices in your life? Have you ever identified counterfeit voices in your life? How have you done that? How will you deal with them if you know, even through this lesson, that maybe you've yielded to a voice that's not the Lord. The second question is, what parts of the process for discerning God's voice are you already using? The things that I read to you, the five different steps. Are you already using them? What parts are you, are you not using that you intend to use? Are there some things that maybe you have an impending word and you haven't put them to any of these as a test? Well, what will you do in your next steps? And the third and final question, what encouraged you the most about this session and how can you apply it to your life. We want to apply biblical truth to our life and God will help us to discern his voice. Well, let's pray and ask God to help us do just that right now. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the voice of your spirit in our life. And we know, Lord, that really you want us to understand your voice. You want us to know your voice. And God, I pray that whatever we need to do, to turn up the volume in our life, I pray that we would turn down the distractions 
and we would realize that, that we need to present our full selves to you, surrender completely, wholly to you. This is our reasonable act of worship. God, we present ourselves to you right now that we wouldn't be confused. I also pray, Lord, that you would give us this diligence to guard our hearts and that we would guard ourselves from any other voices that are trying to come in and gain influence over what we do. And we also, Lord, pray that you would help us to renew our minds. God, help us to get a hold of our influences, that we would realize what is helping us, building us up, causing us to discern, and what is actually bringing confusion. You give us clarity, not confusion. So help us to discern your voice better as we take the next steps that we need to take. We love you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next session together. Amen.